It's time once again for our broadcast, Good News and Better News, where we spend 22 minutes advancing the theory that life really does not suck. And now, here is our host, author, screenwriter, and podcastman, Jonathan Richard Kring. So, Moses. Holy Moses. He seems to be trying desperately to introduce his good old friend from the mountain, Jehovah God, to the Jewish people down below. There's a formula for failure right there, thinking you're on the mountaintop with God, trying to reason with the folks down below. But anyway... Here's what he starts out with, with his Ten Commandments. God is jealous. God is picky. And God seems to be easily offended if you don't use his name just right. Allow me to pause here for a moment. Here, here's where I'm coming from. The only purpose for believing in God, in my opinion, is for this father of the universe to be kinder, more helpful, more energizing than just the average guy walking around in the world. But if I have a friend, if I, if, if I had a friend who was jealous, picky, and easily offended, I would squash my relationship with him or her. I'd probably just do it with a text. Sorry, going to be very busy for the rest of my life. Have a nice day. I don't think I, don't think I even feel bad about it. What business do they have being jealous, picky, and easily offended. But see, we're led to believe. More than led to believe, we're almost commanded to believe that this is the mood of the creator of the universe. Grumpy and frumpy. Or is it mopey and dopey? Perhaps broody and moody. No wonder... No wonder so many people have decided to pass. God, oh, no, no, thank you. I I had a large breakfast. You'd think certainly Moses can do better than these first three commandments that turn God into a real pissant. It can't get any worse, right? Then here comes number four. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Now, okay. I want to make sure I get this straight. Now, God, I understand you're very jealous. And, by the way, very picky about, you know, whether gods and idols And you 
don't want me to use your names in a certain way, and you're careful about how you're treated, you get offended if I don't say that name just the right way. And now you want me to take, now you wanted me to take one of my days off from work and do nothing but sit around and think about you? Gee whiz. I don't know. God seems worse than a stalking girlfriend. Talk about needy. Clingy. He is all I need. He is all I need. Jesus is all I need. I used to sing that. Have you sung that one? Here's the truth. Jesus is not all I need. And I'm not ashamed of it. And he shouldn't be ashamed of the fact that he's created me to be multifaceted, to have many openings in my pores to receive information and ideas. Matter of fact, it's the first thing that Adam said. Love the garden. God did great work. Boy, look at those trees. Where's the girl? I need Eve. Whatever happened to that part of the Bible where it says, and on the seventh day after God had created, he rested. What what does he mean by rested? Let me tell you something right now. Getting up, yes. Getting up, showering, putting on decent clothing, shoes, eating a quick breakfast, dragging a bunch of teenagers out of their rooms to do the same with you, as they beg not to go to church, then getting into the car, driving, arriving, standing for 35 minutes while the praise band practices songs in front of you, listening to a sermon that has been overprepared and underpracticed, coming then to the back of the church to drink coffee and consume day-old donuts to pass the peace with a bunch of people who change the subject as quickly as possible from God to their festering gallbladder, to then escape out the door and back into the car to arrive home and try to salvage something of the day. I'm sorry. That just doesn't sound very restful. Going to church is, is, is not an opportunity. It is a culture. You have to learn the language. How about how about the customs? Um, oh, don't forget, you got to learn the no-nos, and still navigate human egos and selfishness all around you. If you want to understand how bogus this fourth commandment is, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. All you have to do is spend a few minutes in the New Testament where Jesus, Jesus had two favorite pastimes, two things he loved to do. Number one, love people. Number two, break the Sabbath rules. They yelled at him all the time about it. He, he did it on purpose. Sometimes it seems like he waited 
until the Sabbath to heal someone just so he could piss off the Moses teachers. His premise was simple. This idea of Sabbath, or shall we call it rest, it wasn't put together so that man could give tribute to God. Instead, it was brought to man as a consideration by God so he could give tribute to his creation, to humans. This is what Jesus said, not me. He said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You don't reach Sunday so you can go to church. You reach Sunday so you can rest in all the beauty of having the lifeblood of the gospel flow through you all week. Damn it, slow down. You move too fast. I gotta make the morning last. Skipping down this cobblestones. Feeling groovy. To think that Saturday or Sunday or Friday, whatever day of the week, your particular religion is set aside as holy. If we think that's our way of tithing back to God our time for how good he is to allow us to work our jobs, make our own money, pay our own bills, and fix our own cars, I'm sorry, that's just plain flat-out bullshit. God is not claiming to take care of my everything. He's giving me the strength, the wisdom, to take care of these things myself. So when Sunday rolls around, I, I realize how blessed I am to be alive, and I take advantage of a day of rest. Sabbath is a day of rest. For those who come to the conclusion that there is no, no God, as long as they are willing to accept that they are still responsible to do their own part and care about others, I don't really mind if they choose not to do it in the name of the Almighty. But life on earth is not about following a rule. It is about learning to rule, taking authority over your own life, your own actions, your own heart, your own passions, your own missions, your own finance, and doing your best to spread it out as far as you can while enjoying yourself like a crazy person. It's like religion worships the balloon. You see what I'm saying? Religion goes around worshiping balloons but never teaches you how to blow the damn thing up. Religion honors the flower, but never helps you turn it into bread. And religion will pour the wine, but will only give you a sip in remembrance of God. Are you here to follow the rule? Or are you here to rule? Rule or rule? Because Jesus came to earth to give us the power. To give us the power to become the sons of God. Not the victims of religion. But people who grasp 
that life is the gift that God gives to us, and our delight and ecstasy is the gift we give back to him. The only way to honor the Sabbath day is to do good. That's what Jesus said. He says, isn't it right to do good on the Sabbath? Because you can get in one of your religious moods and be a sourpuss all day, and that's not exactly good, is it? Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath day? Many years ago in America, we used to have what were called blue laws. Blue laws. It was where no business, commerce, or stores were allowed to be open on Sunday. So if you needed a quart of milk, you better have bought it on Saturday or you'd have to wait for your vitamin D until Monday and eat your cereal dry. You know what happened? Even the most religious people in our country, even the most religious people in our country decided that this was just idiotic. You know why? Because it wasn't good. You know what's beautiful about a day off? It's a day off. There's nothing more sacred, outstanding, or heavenly than getting up and watching your family get their heads together in a relaxed fashion on a Sunday morning, chomp on some toast, play some video games, watch television, and do what you haven't been able, do what you haven't been able to do all week long. Talk. Laugh. Rest. Feel good. Now, to me, that sounds like church. To once again, on the day off that you've been granted, ask these fine people to go someplace. If you ask them to go someplace and sit and learn and genuflect and lift their hands and stand on their feet and read off a screen words that barely make any sense to them, is not my idea of remembering the Sabbath, but instead a really horrible part-time job that doesn't pay well. Here are two things that a true spirit, the essence of a true spirit should bring out in our lives. A true spirit tells us that life is not about things. It's about people. And things are not people. Church is a thing, not a person. It's a thing. A thing that's been turned into a business. Only occasion, only on occasion does it offer true consecration and purpose. And that's because it suddenly shifts its focus 
extra people. As long as, the, as long as it's about the altar, as long as it's about the choir, the hymns, the sermons, the potluck, or some sort of project that's been begun so we can pay off the carpet and the sanctuary. As long as it's like that, it's a thing. Things don't help people. Things just often keep people busy when God wants them to rest. People in church arrive fidgety, nervous, exasperated, worried. God wants them to rest. God wants them to find good. God wants them to feel good. God wants them to settle down and just ooze themselves into some peace of mind. Because secondly, true spirit tells us that faith needs works. Works is not going to church to talk about faith. Works is when you spend a little time talking to your son or daughter because they have a day of rest. And through that conversation, you discover they are frustrated. Or maybe even to your shock, you find out they're suicidal. So rather than sending these confused kids into a church service where they may become even more confused or certainly disappointed, just sit down. Sit your ass down and hug them and hold them. Watch a silly movie until some of that despondency passes. Faith without works is dead because it's alone. Faith needs a partner, and that's works. Church without people getting rest. When we approach church instead of it being a time for people to celebrate and rest, relaxation and rejuvenation, if you have church without rest, relaxation, and rejuvenation, it's murderous to the human spirit. <laughs> you know, they were, they were so angry at Jesus for doing shit on the Sabbath that they were prepared to kill him. Isn't that nice? We love God so much, we want to kill you. What a restful thought. So should we go to church? If it's about people who are enjoying themselves, their family, and friends with celebration. Yeah. But Monday through Saturday is for following the golden rule so we can rule with golden lives. Sabbath, Sunday, church day is when we're supposed to rest in the wonder, the joy, and the glory of being alive. For you see, sweet friends, uh, the good news is God wants us to rest. And actually, for one day, stop worrying about the universe or him and just get ahead straight. And the better news is, however you find a way to do that, 
and make yourself draw nearer to the truthfulness of your own heart and those you love. And if you put people over things and you come up with some really good works, well, if you can pull that off, you're going to find out your faith is just gracefully amazing. That's it for today. Stay tuned next week when we will gather once again and find ways to put the pin back in the grenade. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on social media and at goodnewsandbetternews.com.